Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. God bless you all. Good to be back. Uh, just spent uh, the month of January down in the Vandalia Church, and it was good connecting with them. And I'm going to be here with you all every week in um, February. Yeah, yeah, kind of fun. <clears throat> so before I jump into the, the message, uh, two things. One is that our youth are going to the annual Ignition Conference, which is hosted by a sister church down in Sturgis. And it's uh, uh, year after year, they just do a really good job of putting on a, a conference for uh, basically middle school, high schoolers. And many of our young people have been significantly impacted by that time. And so would you guys, uh, all the youth, just stand up. We just want to pray and bless you, uh, whether you're going or not, if you're one of the youth. Um, and would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that uh, um, these youth have the opportunity to get away for a few days and focus on you. And, and I pray that that's exactly what happens, that they are able to connect with you in very meaningful ways. Lord, that you would use this time to advance them spiritually. Father, that individually they would learn something or experience something or grow in some way, but also as a group, uh, as a community, that they would grow in relationship with one another. And then, Father, that they would also foster relationships with new people from other towns that have gathered together in your name. We bless them, and we just pray a great time for them and for the chaperones and the leaders that are going along, too. In Jesus' name, help them get some sleep, maybe. Amen. <laughs> All right, the other thing I want to share was uh, during a first service, um, <clears throat> during worship, I got a message from uh, Samantha, Tim and Samantha Gordon, who are, they were missionaries, some of you, how many know Tim and Samantha Gordon? Yeah, great, they've been here a few times. So for 18, 19 years, they were missionaries in China. They recently, in the last year, moved to Thailand uh, because they're, they're uh, starting a church in Thailand. They're going to continue their mission work in J China because they can easily commute, commute uh, uh, travel down into China to minister, but they're living now in Thailand and starting a church. And so uh, they're 12 hours into the future, right? And so uh, they were just finishing a Sunday evening prayer meeting when we were starting our Sunday morning service, which is kind of cool, the whole time travel thing. Uh, but uh, they had over 40 people come to their first service uh, a few weeks ago, which was great. But she sent me this message. She said, our, um, I'm, I'm going to be traveling there, by the way, in, in the first week of March uh, 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 to support them in their efforts to, to launch this new church. But she said, our Buddhist neighbors came to the prayer party tonight. They call it a party. They don't call it a meeting. <laughs> Kinda good. It's a good idea, I thought. <laughs> People like to go to a party. Uh, so um, we announced that you'd be speaking on March 13th. After the party, uh, this neighbor asked Tim, is the man who will be speaking on the 13th going to be speaking on the subject, is God as a father? And Tim replied that, they, that I was. And so they're really interested. Like, they were excited that there was interest in this Buddhist uh, tie on this idea that God is a father. And uh, already there's an excitement in their heart 
And so the, the first meeting when they had over 40 people come, at least half of them, at least half of them were completely non-church, non-Christians, just high reaching, reaching the nationals, and then others are, are Westerners living there. So it's a, it's a kind of an interesting mix. So it's exciting that um, there's interest. And be praying for me, because in a few weeks I'll be there explaining the Father Heart of God to Buddhist people in Thailand. Sovati Club. <laughs> which is how you say hi in Thai. <laughs> hi in Thai. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I'm excited about this uh, series. Uh, the Pathway series is um, something I've, I've taught on a couple of times over the years, and each time I speak on it, uh, people find it quite encouraging, and often uh, some of you may have never heard of this idea before, but um, uh, uh, what it involves is that there's numerous pathways that we most naturally connect with God and grow spiritually, right? And there's, there's actually, there's a, a man wrote a book on it, identified there's seven primary pathways that people connect. So we're going to look at all seven of them over the course of the next few weeks. And the truth is, is, you know, God made us each unique. Everyone's a little bit different. And so it's similar to our personality type or our spiritual gifts. We all know that diff- there are personal- different personalities. Some people are sanguine and life-of-the-party kind of people, and other people are uh, more phlegmatic. They're quiet, they're more reserved. And, and it's not that one is better than the other, uh, but we're all a little different. And learning how to interact with each person and their unique personality actually enriches everyone's life. <coughs> one thing I want you to... Be aware of the same thing with spiritual gifts. Some people will have a a spiritual gift. They may have the gift of teaching or a gift of prophecy. They they can speak God's word in powerful ways. Other people may have the gift of service. They they would dread getting in front of people to talk, but they'll busy help working. And there's some parallel between your personality type and your spiritual gift and your pathway. But they're not synonymous. Okay, so there's an overlapping, but don't just think... It's synonymous uh, because sometimes uh, a sanguine who's really outgoing and, and likes to be around people actually might connect with God in a, in a contemplative, like they hear God when they're alone because when they're with people, they're too distracted, right? <laughs> so there is room of overlap, but there, there, there may be, and I just want you to keep in mind that your personality and the way you connect or grow spiritually may be different. <coughs> Um, and you all should have received a little test that will definitively prove, no, <laughs> that'll give you uh, an idea of what your pathways uh, are. If, if you take the test and then you add up your scores and then list yourself uh, in the order of, of what you are uh, in the highest and lowest, uh, because you, everyone has a preferred pathway, in other words, like your number one pathway, and then you'll have secondary pathways that you can connect or you grow spiritually you get stuff from god and then you'll have the least likely pathway it's like the pathway you just can't imagine anybody being spiritual in that way (laughs) all right so one person came up after first service and and uh, and two of the pathways his his score was really low like four and six you know but the other ones he was he was like 18 and, and 16 right so there was a big gap between what he was his primary and his least 
uh, um, natural pathway. <clears throat> Identifying your main pathway helps you maximize your growth. And so if, if your main pathway is, is, is relational, like the one we're going to talk about today, then you want to put a lot of effort and time into developing that. Um, and that's okay. You will get more return out of uh, improving your strengths uh, than simply focusing on trying to get better at your weaknesses. Does that make sense? All right. So that's just a general principle. Uh, doesn't mean you don't strive to improve in the areas that you're weak, but you'll, you'll get more out of uh, le leaning into your strengths. So um, identifying your less natural pathways helps you stretch into new areas. Okay, and so maybe you're not naturally inclined to grow or connect spiritually in some of these ways, but if you learn how to, then you can experience God or you can grow spiritually in ways that you, you would not normally just come across. The goal is, first off, to really experience freedom to be the person you are created to be. In other words, that your pathway, the way you connect and grow spiritually, is good and right, and you know how to do that well but also to discover the stretching of those new ways to understand yourself and to better understand others. Now, before we launch into the pathways, uh, these, these things to keep in mind will apply uh, for all of the pathways. <coughs> I'm not going to go over all of the cautions every time, but um, this part I will. You're, you're to lean into your primary pathway. Lean into the primary pathway, but you're to stretch into new and different pathways. So whatever your primary one is, put the most effort into that. Secondary, tertiary, you know, least likely stretch and find ways to experience it because maturity is being competent in all of the pathways. All right? Very important to, to get that point. Maturity is being able to connect spiritually in some way to some degree in any one of these seven ways that we're going to be talking about throughout the month. A few cautions. Pathway guilt. <laughs> All right, so that is you just kind of feel guilty that uh, the way you grow spiritually is, is just not as good uh, as maybe somebody else. Uh, and so uh, it's just a negative impression uh, of what actually is your strength. And that's, that's, a, that's a hindrance. That's, that's a confusion that, that doesn't need to, you, you don't need to be guilty about the way God made you. You, just, you can actually learn how to, how to do it better. And it's directly connected with pathway envy, which is thinking someone else's way is better or more valuable. And so this will happen often when uh, you see a worship leader up here being so open and free and singing and you would be terrified even to be on stage or uh, and you just you think that they're more spiritual because they're doing something more visibly uh, spiritual but it doesn't mean that they're any more valuable or any more spiritual than you who connect privately contemplatively alone at home while you're reading a book or something uh, and so you don't envy Stretching into new areas is not envying, like, oh, if I was like that person, then I would be spiritual. Okay, that's wrong. It's like, I'm, I'm spiritual in this way. I want to learn how to grow into that way because I want to be able to experience all of the ways. Now, this is actually a, more, uh, a bigger caution that is a little more often uh, violated, and that's pathway judgment. 
<laughs> That's thinking less of others because they don't connect like you do. All right? And so <clears throat> what happens is churches uh, that are led or have an uh, emphasis in a particular area tend to draw people with that same pathway. And so if it's a worshiping church, um, so they have a good worship team and they really emphasize worship and song and music. It's going to draw people that connect with God that way. And so there's more and more. And then what happens is like whole churches and then uh, networks of churches or denominations actually kind of have an identity, but they're really just kind of grouped along with their pathway. And so there are Bible churches that teach the Bible and it's the Word of God. And, you know, everything in the service leads to the Word. It's the pinnacle, you know. So everything has to line up to the preaching point. Um, you know, and it's like, well, that's great. It's, it's not like one is better than the other. The problem is when you judge one as being like they're not as spiritual because boy you go to their worship service and my goodness they're singing songs that are 50 100 years old and they you know <clears throat> the person that's playing the instrument can hardly you know hit the chords right right or someone else that's uh, teaching uh, intellectual pathway they go, boy they have loud music and they they can sing those songs but man the word's pretty pretty lame it's pretty weak you know it's pretty uh uh, uh shallow teaching Right? And so you judge people. And the fact is, God has made his church diverse because there's such a diversity of people. And if we value and learn how to honor the different strengths of different churches, as well as learn how to grow and get better at all of them within our church, then we can have the best of all of them. See how it all works together. <clears throat> and then the last thing is the pathway seasons. And so your pathway may be one uh, during a season, you may connect really well, say, with uh, intellectual and learning and studying, and it just, just feeds your spirit. But then maybe there's something in your life that challenges you, a new challenge, a new time of your life, and, and you just don't connect it that way anymore. And, and you'll find that it's, it's just worship. When you get into a room with other worshipers, you sense God, you grow spiritual, and you need to spend more time with that. You know, and so as you grow and develop, and as you go through different seasons in your life, you will very likely uh, have different um, uh, uh, pathways that are more primary than other seasons or other times in your life based on the circumstances and the situations that you're going through. All right, so there's no place in the Bible where it actually lists the seven pathways, you know. So it doesn't mean this is not biblical. <laughs> uh, the idea is biblical. The idea, we see it in uh, and evidenced throughout Scripture and, and throughout life. Um, but there isn't like a way that, uh, uh, one passage where it talks about this directly. Um, I love expository preaching. We're actually going to spend two months teaching through the book of Colossians later this year. And uh, so that's another way to, to, to do sermons. This is more a topical. It's an idea that it, it applies to life and will help you connect and grow spiritually. But this example, I think, is good because we kind of see it. Ooh, what happened? Okay. <laughs> uh, we kind of see an, uh, an example of this. Uh, this has um, Elijah. He had just done some uh, incredible, miraculous things, uh, an encounter with uh, 
the uh, uh, false uh, priests and, and really a, a major victory, but then he got scared because the queen was after him, he was going to kill him, and so he's hiding in the mountains in a cave. And so the prophet of God, after doing some incredible things, is now fearful and hiding. And in the cave, God speaks to him. He says, God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? There's lots of things. It's like, why did all of that happen? Why, if God was just going to talk to Elijah in a still small voice, why was there the fire? Why was there the earthquake? What was it? Well, just kind of on a side note, have you ever really wanted to hear God speak? Have you? Oh, God, would you speak to him? One of, one of you heard God audibly, and he said, so what are you doing here? <laughs> it's probably not what Elijah wanted to hear. <laughs> Elijah, what are you doing in a cave? All right, anyway. That's the side point. <clears throat> the main point is that God manifested himself in a lot of different ways. But he wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He was in a still, small voice. But if we read the story of Scripture, guess what? Previously, he was in all of those other things. Often, the wind actually the, the word for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is ruach, which means wind. Okay? And the wind of God blew on the Red Sea so that the Israelites could walk across it on dry land. And so they were delivered by the wind of God. Right, And then <clears throat> a fire, pillar of fire, led them by night. A pillar of fire separated the, the, the Egyptians as they were fleeing Egypt. And, and preserved and protected the Israelites. And, so, and then for all the way through uh, the, the time in the desert, there was a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And so these were, these were biblical manifestations. But God wasn't in those. <clears throat> and then uh, the earthquake at Sinai, Moses is on the mountain and the whole mountain shook. And so many times we, uh, God shows up in these other manifestations. Uh, but God... Uh, wanted Elijah to experience him in a different way. Uh, this verse is not saying that the only way to experience God is a still small voice, right? Which is what some people read and think that 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 oh, this is how you experience God is a still small voice. It's actually teaching us that God can be experienced in many different ways, and in that season. Elijah needed to hear God is a still, small voice. Right? There's many ways to experience God, and we need to be sensitive to how God wants to reveal himself and how we are to respond to the way that he uh, is manifesting. So kind of like Elijah's experience, knowing the different pathways helps us discover how God may be communicating or directing us in a particular time of life. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> All right, today we're going to talk about the relational pathway, and that is um, someone with a relational pathway uh, experiences spiritual growth most naturally, most easily, when they're with other people, all right? Because they're relational. And so uh, when they're around people, they can hear God, they can feel God, they can connect with God. And if you tell someone with this pathway that they need to spend an hour in prayer alone every day, right, they are just gonna feel really frustrated, all right? If, they, if, you, if there's a high priority on, on studying the Bible uh, privately, as the way, that's the main way you learn from God, uh, this person, it's going to sound like a prison sentence, right? Because it's like when they get alone to pray, they get bored. <laughs> or they fall asleep, you know? Or they start thinking about things they're not supposed to be thinking about. They just don't get it because they're not wired that way, all right? Um, <clears throat> but if they're with a group, if you say you need to study the Bible in a group, oh, they, they get so much out of it. Or let's pray in a group. Oh, th- then they can, they can pray for an hour, two hours if there's a group praying. All right? Revelation for someone with this pathway doesn't come through contemplation. You know, being quiet, thinking about a verse for hours or days or weeks for years, kind of just rolling it over. They, they, they don't get anything that way. They get it through conversation. Get an idea, and they're talking with somebody, and they're bouncing off an idea, and they go, bam, 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 wow, God just spoke to me. What? Well, when you said this, and I said this, and I said, it all comes together. Probably, you have a, you're higher in the relational pathway if that's what happens to you more, more easily, more naturally. Private worship, the idea of worshiping God alone to someone really high with a relational pathway is just almost like an oxymoron, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, what do you mean worship God by myself? What, I stand and look at a wall? <laughs> There's actually an album called Facing the Wall. <laughs> uh, but, wor- but a worship service, if there's some people in the room, you know, on a worship night, oh, wow, that's where God is. That's how you connect with God. You get, you get people together singing, and man, if we could just get some people sing. I've, so people with this pa- a pathway, it's like, if we can just get a group of people doing fill in the blank, then God's going to show up and God's going to everything. Everything is going to be, everything's going to be great. You know, I'm like, wow, you're very relational. <laughs> you know, someone with a contemplative pathway is like, if I can just get alone, <laughs> then I can connect with God, all right? Uh, but for po- someone with a high relational pathway, too much alone time actually leads you to depression. Uh, and so if you, if you have this uh, uh, perception that you have to spend hours alone uh, in order to be spiritually, and you, you, you'll end up depressed. You'll end up in counseling. And you'll end up thinking you're not spiritual when it's just not the way you are spiritual. Does that make sense? All right. <clears throat> uh, okay, God speaks to you primarily through others, and this is important, a uh, flip side of it, uses you to speak to others. Uh, and the reality is we need you because some people are not wired relationally to connect spiritually through relationship, and so having you in uh, the mix uh, uh, with other people, you can help them grow 
by demonstrating how you can be spiritual and connect with God in a community setting, in relationship with others. So here's some examples. <coughs> Again, I, uh, references in Scripture that kind of illustrate. Uh, it's not really a proof text, but we kind of see, I think, the Apostle John was relational just by the way he writes, the emphasis of what he talks about. Um, and, and, you know, he's the apostle of love, right? He's always talking about love. Uh, Beloved, love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. I mean, he, he equates knowing God with loving other people and being in relationship. talks about treating uh, uh, older people like fathers and uh, brothers. He's constantly referring to re- everything in a relational context. All right. Um, <clears throat> then we have uh, another guy. He's named uh, Joseph, who's also named Barnabas uh, by the apostles. Be- and, and that's, they named him that because it meant son of encouragement. And so they actually named him because he's so encouraging. He's always encouraging other people. When Barnabas was in the room, he was encouraging you. All right. He was a son of encouragement. And we also see him uh, throughout the uh, book of Acts, he's the one who goes and gets Paul and brings him and introduces him to all of the disciples, all of the apostles. He's like, he's a gatherer. And then he takes Paul up with him to uh, 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 Caesarea and, and, and uh, helps start the church up there. <clears throat> and so he's always gathering people. He's a people person. And so he's probably an example of someone uh, with a relational pathway. Uh, and we see this emphasized in certain church movements, uh, like the cell churches um, or house churches. People that say, "Oh, that's the way to do church." All right, you know, this is the right way to do church. <clears throat> um, and I, I actually think that the right way to do church is the way God's called you to do church. All right, and so if you're a leader that God has commissioned you to lead a congregation then you need to be faithful to the call that he's put on you. That might be a house church. That might be a, a you know, what I consider a, a family church, uh, community church like this. Uh, it might be a mega church. I know people that they just knew from their calling that they were going to pastor a church of thousands. I'm like, go for it. Which is the right way? Being true to your call. <coughs> uh, but small group movements, I could, I could go to a bookstore or go to Amazon and, and in, a, in minutes put 10 or 15 books on the table that will say that small group ministry is the best, the most effective, the right, the most biblical way to grow a Christian or to build a church, right? <laughs> because they, all those books were written by people who have this relational pathway. And I can go and get just as many books <clears throat> that talk about uh, a personal devotional life where you spend, you know, it's contemplative prayer, it's, uh, you know, inner healing stuff, the stuff that is more contemplative, more, uh, you know, there's, uh, or worship books. I can get you 15 books on worship, how, you know, if you have the worship ministry just right, everything, everything will work right. Well, the reality is, is that because there's so many different types of people, God has created this beautiful thing called church that actually not only allows for all these different expressions but requires them it's like a tapestry and when we work together we all grow and can grow in ways that maybe we would never grow without uh the person sitting next to you in in the row (coughs) 
So the idea is build on your strength. If this is your uh, pathway or if this is one of your higher pathways that you rank higher on, then spend most of your devotional time with others. Do Bible studies with people. Go to prayer meetings, all right? Get and stay involved with a group of people that also are hungry for God because that's what energizes you. Um, Take a spiritual retreat, but by golly, don't go by yourself, (laughs) okay? Go with two other people with the intention that you're going to spend time seeking God together, like the group going down the uh, ignition. Don't worry about comparing alone time. Right? So if you know someone, or you read about some spiritual giant of the past or the present that spends hours every day in prayer, don't think they're more spiritual than you. They're just spiritual in a different way than you. All right? And you're going to grow best by being in a group of people. Uh, 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 <coughs> use your gift to serve others. And so I touched on earlier that when you're in a group of people and you're connecting with God, you can help other people that may not be relational connect with God just by your example of how you connect with God. And they're like, wow, you heard God that way? I've never experienced that. Oh, yeah, I experienced that. You know, and it helps teach one another. But there's some cautions if this is your primary pathway as well. Guard against uh, superficiality. Because uh, people with the relational pathway so highly uh, prioritize the relationship, sometimes just being in a room with people is, is good enough, and, and they don't intentionally go deeper. And, and so you can end up with a very superficial spiritual experience if you don't intentionally make room to go. So that's why having a group Bible study where you actually study the Bible and not just talk about current events, you know, uh, or, or, some, or, or have a time of prayer where you actually get into some uh, uh, intentional prayer. And a way to help you in this is to, in addition to having lots of friends or lots of acquaintances or doing things with different groups, have a few uh, relationships that go deep. People that are able to ask you hard questions that know you well enough to know the right question to ask. You know, how are you doing in this area? Okay, so you need to develop uh, relationships that go deeper and nurture that. <clears throat> and, you know, often that means asking someone, like, I want to go deeper, I want to be held accountable. Could we meet, uh, you know, once a month or whatever uh, to, 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 you know, I want to read through the whole Bible this year. Would you help hold me accountable to that? Or I want to, whatever, uh, bring someone, invite someone into a deeper uh, part of your life. You also want to caution against codependency. <coughs> codependency basically is a word that refers to an unwillingness, unwillingness, unwilling, unwillingness. Being unwilling to risk <laughs> relationships even when the relationship is unhealthy, okay? So you're unwilling to risk the relationship even though there's dynamics in the relationship that are harmful to you or to others. And so because you so highly value the relationship, even though there's some manipulation going on or there's some intimidation going on or there's sinful behavior 
being practiced or whatever, you're like, well, I don't want to say anything about that because if I do, then, then I'm not going to be welcome in this group anymore or they're not going to come to my parties anymore if, if I bring this up or if I talk to this person. And so you just tolerate. And there's a, there's a healthy aspect of, you know, giving people grace, but there's an unhealthy part when it becomes a, a, a relationship where you're just enabling them to live uh, in a destructive lifestyle pattern or enabling you're in a relationship that just enables you to continue to practice something that's destructive without being challenged, okay? And so if your pathway is highly relational, these are some things that you have to keep in mind so that uh, you stay healthy. <coughs> the last thing is being a spiritual chameleon, and that is, uh, you know, what do chameleons do? They can change color. What do they change color based on? Whatever they're around. So, uh, you know, if you're really highly relational and you're around a bunch of worship people, you can be the most worship person in the room, right? And then if you're around some intellectual pathway people, you're just going to be all about Bible study. And, 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 and it's one thing to stretch in the different areas. It's another thing to pretend that you're something you're not. Does that make sense? And so, under, and, and this whole series is meant to teach you what your strengths are so that you can, you can grow in those strengths and then bring those strengths to the whole community. But you need to be uh, aware uh, of not just changing to fit into the group, not prioritizing being part of the group as being more important than being yourself and being accepted and, and being healthy in that way. All right, <coughs> so ways to stretch. Um, so if you're relational, how do you stretch? Uh, um, you need to develop a capacity for silence and alone time. <laughs> All right? And yes, that's difficult, and that's what it's called, why it's called stretching. Uh, and it's, this is really hard in our day because we have so many avenues to fill our time with uh, noise and visual stimulation, right? Like you get endless, endless free videos on that thing called the uh, internet, right? <laughs> and the YouTube? You guys ever hear of the YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's the end of second service. I'm starting to get tired. <laughs> Listen, it is nonstop, okay? The device has an off switch, all right? Sometimes you got to put it down. Uh, sometimes you have, to, you have to learn how to experience silence and not be uncomfortable. You need to learn how to be in a room alone. You need to be able to be comfortable with yourself. And if you're uncomfortable being with yourself, you need to talk to somebody about that. Okay? Because there's some issue going on in your heart, something that you're believing that isn't true. And this is something that's it's normal for all of us. Don't feel... Don't feel bad if, you, if, if this is hitting the mark here. Just realize you're one of us. We all experience that to some degree. And, and so developing a capacity for being alone will stretch you even though your primary way to connect is relational. So I'm not talking hours. I'm talking minutes, you know, maybe for you initially. <laughs> Fifteen minutes, you know, where you're just alone with God. Um, <clears throat> monitor your talking. When you are in a group, People who are highly relational often 
dominate the conversation because they're so excited because they're with a group, you know, and you need to learn to listen, learn to receive, try to uh, expand your ability to understand others, um, and it'll make you actually more valuable to the group. Um, Keep some of your spiritual experiences with God a secret. And this will help avoid becoming dependent on what other people think. I think this is a real, this is a real good one. And I don't mean a secret in that if something really weird happens that you're not sure was God, you need to seek godly counsel about that. But if God speaks to you or if you experience a revelation, don't just rush to share it. Hold it and treasure it for a while. Nurture it a little bit and see what happens. Because you're, you're developing a private relationship with God. God wants to develop one-on-one time with you. All right? And so this is just one way. If you see something, ponder it for a while. And wait until you have the green light, as it were, to share it. <clears throat> have a safe, healthy, spiritual closet, even if you don't spend a lot of time there. Because what I'm referring to here is Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. And when you're alone, your Father, uh, uh, you know, who sees you in secret, who hears you in secret, will reward you openly. So yes, Jesus actually said, pray privately. He also prayed a lot publicly, by the way. And there's lots of examples through Scripture of prayer, public, public prayer, group prayer. I've actually encountered a number of people who thought that the Bible actually taught that the only right way to pray was privately. And it's like, really? <laughs> you know, actually, there's a lot. He prayed with his disciples. He, he said, when you pray, pray, you know, our Father who art in heaven. He's talking to a group, right? <clears throat> but he does emphasize the idea that we do need to have a time where we connect with God personally. So what I mean by a closet, that can be literal or figurative. So it can be an actual space, maybe a chair in your living room, maybe in your bedroom where you can close the door, or it may be figurative, a place where you go in your mind's eye that you are just, okay, this is it. This is, how, this, is, this is just time reserved for God. This is my God time. So even if you don't spend a lot of time there, you should be able to have a place that you can go to that's a God place. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it should be safe. And what I mean by safe, that means that... Um, uh, it, it, you, you do it in a way that you're really connecting with God and not just worrying or ruminating over problems. You're actually in the presence of Almighty God and, and there's something there. And so even if you don't spend a lot of time there, if you learn how to spend time there, the time that you spend in with relationship and with other people will actually be enriched. You'll have more to bring to the group because you've got something from the closet, all right? <clears throat> do some private Bible study, okay? Sometimes you just have to do stuff that isn't natural or isn't fun, and you just don't like it. <laughs> That's okay. That's part of life, right? That's called discipline, where you learn how to do it. So maybe it's not your natural way, but you can stretch into it. Yeah, once a week, once a month, learn how to do an actual Bible study where you Look up words, or you, uh, or you learn how to understand the, a whole book of the Bible and how it all works together. Take a class in Bible study. Uh, and so you need to stretch in it, because Bible study, as well as reading, needs to be part of every Christian's uh, uh, life. All right? it, without that, you remain superficial. 
right? You can always be part of a group of people, but you need to balance that by, by getting something deeper. And of course, learn the other pathways as we go through it the month um, and increase your aptitude with each one. So I if we're talking about one of the pathways that's not your high one, then that's when you should be taking most of the notes because you're going to be learning things that you wouldn't naturally think of. All right. So coming up next week, I'm going to be talking about the intellectual and the worship pathway. <coughs> After that, we'll be looking at the activist and the contemplative pathway. And then finally, the serving and the creation pathway. All right. If you want to learn even more, uh, which probably means you're one of the intellectual pathways, <laughs> you can get the book written by Gary Thomas called Sacred Pathways. And, uh, or you can go online and Google it, and there's a whole bunch of resources. <laughs> so, but the book is really good. He explains it all out. He gives a lot more of the biblical basis for it. Um, so right now, I just want to bless you. Uh, would you all just stand for